I need the old Blade Runner. The chance to begin again. He say you Blade Runner. Got the wrong guy, pal. I don't work here anymore. Welcome to Cocktail Cinema, folks, your weekly movie review podcast. We pair movies with craft cocktails. As always, I'm your first favorite bartender and third favorite author, Josh Price. And I am joined by my co-host, Greg, and our producer, Shasti. Damn glad to be here, as always. How we doing? How we doing? Good, good. Well, I'm going to do things a little bit differently this week, and I'm going to start with a joke. No, it's not my salary. (laughs) Um, It's, uh, so when when you lie to your girlfriend... And you convince her that she's crazy. That's called gaslighting. But when you lie to your girlfriend and you convince her that she's a robot, that's called blade running. That's a Philip K. Dick move. <laughs> nice. There you go. There you go. So that said, we are covering Blade Runner this week. He say you Blade Runner. <laughs> this movie came out in 1982. It was directed by the great Ridley Scott. Had a budget of $30 million, but a box office return of only $41.6 million. Mm. So, yeah, not as big of a smash as I expected at the time, but it is still a very well-known movie. And I think the discussion on the table is, is it a good movie? Does it deserve to be known? Isn't that what we do every week, Josh? Exactly. (laughs) See, you understood the assignment, too. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Something just came to me. I was like, what have we been doing all these weeks? Yeah. All these years. So this is is one of those movies that I think, even if you haven't seen it, most people have a general idea of... The basic plot, you know, it's 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 right. kind of bred into the cultural consciousness. Yeah, uh, the zeitgeist, if you will, mm-hmm. and a lot of that has to do with the fascination with the future from the '80s. You know, science fiction had kind of a a rebirth in in the late '70s and early '80s um, that included the adaptation of a lot of works. Uh, of science fiction. So we saw, I, I believe there was a world a war of the worlds there. Um, we had the time machine right. and you know, a lot of, a lot of the works of Philip K. Dick were at least, uh, pitched and this is one of them. So blade runner is based on a, or it's loosely based, inspired, inspired by on a, on a, a book by Philip K. Dick called do androids dream of electric sheep. Mm-hmm. And the lower right hand corner of your screen. <laughs> <laughs> the silhouette. Um, and I've, I read this book, uh, junior high, didn't really understand it a whole lot, but I also saw the movie around the same time. My dad was a big fan. So I grew up watching this movie. Greg, you had kind of a different experience with it. Did you not? Yeah. I mean, we all know that I'm kind of green to the sci-fi <laughs> expertise. I mean, there's no denying that. Greg and um, his dad were watching different movies. <laughs> no, no, my dad, no, my dad loves this kind of stuff too. It's just that I was, it was never really kind of my, my shtick, mm-hmm, you know? True. Um, I took a lot from this movie as far as um, how the how the the painting was pictured, the the mm-hmm. the still still shots, mm-hmm. the balance between those and you know the the depth of yeah. of those and 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 the um, the lens uh, I'm sorry, lens flares, lens flares yeah. man. That was across, that, that was a, the, that was pretty much the whole theme for me mm-hmm. of this movie was like it was a lot of that, and I thought that that kept the pacing really well because it was mm-hmm. very. On the second, every two second kind of thing during those parts. But what thing? One thing that lacked for me with this one is I know we're dealing with mm-hmm. bots and stuff like that, but there was not a lot of plot growth. Um, mm-hmm. No overall challenges. It didn't. We've kind of talked about this too. There was really no archetype. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no good guy, no bad guy. Really, no battle other yeah. than kind of just 
dealing with the, one's hum, own humanity. It's a very philosophical so, film, right. and like it's 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 structured somewhat as a as an action noir. Yeah, uh, but. For the most part, it is really just a philosophical discussion about what makes you human, because mm-hmm. um, you know the the idea that you know, Harrison Ford's character Deckard is is like his career was to retire or kill, depending on how you look at it, these robots that may or may not have had some semblance of humanity, and. I, I like that you brought up that there's no villain because a lot of people like to talk about Roy, like the lead android, mm. as the villain. But for me, he's not. He was scary. He's he's ve- he's very intimidating. Yes, and he's capable. And my favorite character through the whole film, actually. You know, I, that, yeah, I agree. He was there. awesome. I mean, Absolutely. And he's he gets some of the best dialogue. Yeah, and he he really gets the chance to dig into this concept between him uh, and what he has to say and what we see with mm. Rachel. Uh, they really drive home this theme of humanity, right? Right, and and it, it, somewhat with like the the animals and 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 you know, is this a real owl? Is it a fake owl? Kind of thing. There's a lot more expanded on the book, but um, it's it's fascinating to me, and mm. it's one of the things I love about it the most. It's it's not for everybody, but it was definitely for me. And especially yeah. at that age, where it got me—I'm an empathetic person. Right. We've we've discussed, you know, my bleeding uh, heart left and right. Well, as am I, but <laughs> in different cases, different scenarios mm-hmm. for me, for sure. But you're not wrong. It's not just for you, though. Don't mm-hmm. don't put yourself in this. Oh, this movie was this made specifically room. for Josh. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't have it wouldn't have created the stir that it did if it was if it wasn't for everyone. This movie, like you said, is well known. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mentioned along some of those early 80s sci-fi mm-hmm. uh, as, as one of the best works as far as camera goes. I'm not, taking nothing yeah. away from the camera, the cinematography, that that's what this movie is to me. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't connect with these characters whatsoever. And Harrison Ford, in my opinion, was a joke. Um, <laughs> unbelievable. And like, I, I, I don't know if he's hard to work with, but if he's, he not, if he's not, you know, <laughs> Han Solo, he's nobody. I don't know. Indiana Jones, he, yeah. these, these big these big names in, in, in his repertoire his but it, it seemed like he didn't really give a shit about this movie as mm-hmm. much i mean I, he literally walked onto multiple scenes with the same face mm-hmm. like like the weird like lip the noodle thing face and, yeah and i was like come harrison ford come on my man like you're way better than this that's why wholeheartedly roy man this guy he he lived that role he yeah he, that, that final sequence where he's mm-hmm. running around Freak, almost like a Joker esque kind of thing. Yeah, just like he's un- hunting him, you know. Yeah. And but he's playing with him like a mm-hmm. like prey tends to do sometimes. Yeah. You know, bat him around a little bit and see what they do. Um, and then at the end of the movie, Harrison Ford is running away from him half the time. So mm-hmm. that, that also bolsters that there's no hero and yeah. there's no villain. Um, and then at the end, where Roy actually saves his life and then yeah. puts a dove in the air. That was kind of yeah. That, I, that's the only part of the movie <laughs> I have a problem with. A little, is like because they they do set it up. They do set it up. Way too polarizing for the lack of, <laughs> yes. of, of yeah. thank you of that dynamic range for the characters right. for the last five minutes for him. He just catches <laughs> this dove and carries it around with. Like, I'm, I'm wondering. Like, he's, he's carrying like a chicken wing. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's like had him flopping around because I'm like, I guarantee. I thought he was gonna bite the head off like Ozzy or something like that. But I guarantee you, what happened is like. They're like, all right, for his final shot, we're gonna like hand the sky this double. Like, where did the dove come from? Like, he had it the whole time. Yeah, I promise. Right. No, there's well, no I more mean, doves on Earth where there's it's blackness in the whole movie. You know, you come out this white. I mean, whatever. I think the only way to explain that range of emotions falling under such a short period of time is that like he was he's obviously 
so so I'm gonna say real quick. I think another main theme of the movie is just fate. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whether it's it's your fate as a human being or um, a robot who wants to sustain immortality, mm-hmm. or a cop who's retired and his fate is to never really, yeah. really retire. I think it, at that moment when Roy was like. Like he's shut, he's shutting down and he stabs himself with with yeah. with, an, with, with the a nail, nail like yeah, six penny nail in the hand. Yeah. And it's it's like in that period of time that that kind of sums up why he would kind of flip the switch and mm-hmm. grab mm-hmm. Deckard's hand at the end and save him. Right. You know what I mean? Right. From going from a psychopath to like these these are my last yeah. breaths. And I, and I know I mentioned biblical, terms, but yeah. I mean with that you know spike in the hand, mm-hmm. dove, yeah. saving Jesus. life. Yeah. Here yeah. we go. Here we go. <laughs> well, I I think uh, so, we got one more. Oh, go ahead, one more theme that I'll just add under Shasi. Time, okay. time. I mean, because these got, these bots are only allowed to be on Earth for four years. Yeah, and that's why they're they're on this killing spree. So uh, you know, we, we're picking up themes across mm-hmm. the board. So you know, I guess human nature and time and death. It's, it's all yeah. part of that whole scope scope. But sorry, but no, no, that, that actually leads pretty well into what I wanted to talk about. Where the that particular theme of of mortality and time and and just the the temporal nature of of humanity i don't think roy was ever intending to be like a murderer Mm -hmm. i believe he killed because he felt he had to in order to survive in order to try and meet his creator to get more time and to to save pris his his love interest well yeah well in the movie that's how yeah it started i think she needs more time (laughs) well they all three of them are, are, are three main androids, or three of the four main androids: right, right. Mm-hmm. Leon, Pris, and and Zoy. They're, <laughs> uh, they are just trying to survive, and this is a theme that has been prevalent in sci-fi for a really long time. But it was codified here to the point where, even today, you look at Fallout, the video game series, and they've got they've got subplots in almost every game about the synths and those are essentially just the nexus robots right. and they talk about the humanity of the synths in the same way um so it's 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 this sparked a lot of conversations in film and media that maybe we wouldn't talk about them the same way without blade runner so it's very important in that i manner. think i i'm sorry this is Completely unrelated to what you okay. said, but what you said for a second, like uh, Roy and Pris were in love. Mm-hmm. I think that they're they're all the same uh, uh, entity. Mm-hmm. Like they're all like uh, Zora was like the the stripper one, for yeah. lack of yeah. better words. Who who Decker takes out first, mm-hmm. right? Like I, line, yeah. It, yeah, just how they all kind of were talking about each other, even though there's not too many scenes with you yeah. know what I mean. This yeah. like building arc, but. But it, it, it kind of seems like for the sake of of them finding an answer for survival or immortality mm-hmm. or just to buy more time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I didn't I looked at that as more like um like a love triangle or, or square. Yeah, between, yeah totally. They're, the they're just trying to save them. themselves from from extinction. Yes. Yes. Like, yes. You know, they, yes. They, they, they know when someone else mm-hmm. dies. He, uh, Roy, Roy brings it up like there's only two of us left and she's mm-hmm. like we must be stupid. They're going to kill us. Yeah. You know, so I. I guess that's uh, one of those things, you know, you lose you lose one, you lose them all. Kind of thing. Well, I mean, we're we are incredibly lucky to have media like this where we've talked about it before, utilizing the art and the story to kind of sneak under your defenses and really force you to think about some of these major issues. Like mortality is yeah. not a fun thing to think right. about. But sounds scary. 
it <laughs> it deserves it's, it's time in the limelight and things like blade runner force you to address them without addressing them mm. so you can you can wax philosophical on you know like we said the temporal nature of your life <coughs> without necessarily putting it on you you're you're giving yourself an avatar to be like oh roy right. represents this yeah. and this is how we can think about it so you can get a lot of that stuff yep. discussed yeah and you know I mm -hmm. think that you know, Roy's Roy's final speech that deserves a cheers. Okay. Okay. So our cheers this week Put it on me. will be uh, a new drink. So we're calling this the Nexus Six. This is uh, a much fruitier drink than you would expect with this this dark topic. Um, it's half an ounce of UV blue, half an ounce <laughs> of Midori, half an ounce of blue Curacao, half an ounce of apple puckers, half an ounce of grenadine, and an ounce of pineapple juice. Shake that bad boy up. Pour it over mm. rocks. It looks kind of dark and purpley like that. Nexus six. Forgive me. Is that six ingredients? It is. Right. <laughs> it is. Ooh. Nice and Ooh. juicy. Yeah. <laughs> it's and I I intentionally took uh, ingredients that would look rough and gritty when you mix them together. Like this looks this looks dark, but All on right. the tongue it's very light and flavorful and it expands. And that's how I feel about this movie. It's very dark and gritty, but it expands the more it, it kind of gets inside you. All right. So there's our pairing for this week, the Nexus 6. Dig it. So. So. Much like dark and gritty and things of that nature, we're set we're set in, nine, or, I'm sorry, 2019 in this film, aren't we, Josh? Man, what a hellscape <laughs> of a year that was. <laughs> it's it's so funny and such a query. Where they it's almost like, made it look as bad. <laughs> as it really it's like, why, is, why do we have to fly in cars? Everybody abandons Earth. Uh, there's there's androids walking. I mean, we're sitting here in 2022. It's, it's, it's about to be spring, man. I'm seeing deer and wildlife, and we're still sitting here on Earth smiling. What yeah. is up with that? <laughs> well, I mean, and... and <laughs> I, I think it was Eddie Izzard that said, all this technology and sci-fi, and what do we have? Those automatic doors at the grocery store. <laughs> no, I loved it. There's so much um, the, with the flying cars and the flames and stuff like that. And they're, they're, the guy's got his, uh, his his playback machine. It's still mm -hmm. like a box set yeah. TV. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's one thing. You know, you, mm -hmm. you overlook, like, the TV sense, but you got flying fucking cars. My, well, right. here's the thing. My Also, my favorite thing is to watch movies from the 80s that mm -hmm. are... Uh, take place in modern time mm -hmm. and be like, how yeah. much did they get right or wrong? Because yeah, flying cars true. was obviously always a thing, right? Yeah. If you think back to the future, flying a flying car takes you to the future or the past. Yeah. And they, <laughs> the one thing they got right were the flat screens. Yeah. yeah. Like when you go yeah. to Biff's mansion, uh -huh. and like you see all the flat screens. But here I thought it was funny talking about the flying cars too and mm -hmm. the high rises and yep. it's almost like how Fifth Element, like yeah. the city, the streets are yep. in the sky. Yeah. All the shots at the bars and like the <laughs> liquor stores and like. I also thought like the the product placement mm -hmm. with the co the giant Coke banner. Yeah, yeah. On you had, the, you yeah. had Atari, you had Coke, you had Schlitz. Atari, it's they great. had that. Schlitz, the, so what was it like a forty story ad for that pill? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. The, well, yeah. And there was the there was like the their version of a blimp flying around the whole time too. Mm -hmm. It looked like a space right, station. Right. Um, where is it? Oh yeah. So uh, with the flying cars, all the all the the shots were like Deckard's coming in and out of the bar in mm -hmm. in his car doing mm -hmm. you know the police paperwork shit like. Millions of people in the street. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. People get bogged. There's drunks walking out of the bar. It's just funny. Right. It's like still traffic on the ground. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's still it, broken it's, ass I don't cars. know if that was like class, like a class separation like we yeah, were talking maybe. about before, but it's just like, 
don't know. Only no, police it, can it's fly. Like, Only it's, police it, cars can exactly. fly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but the 80s always seemed to think that the future was always going to be uh, 1982 Tokyo, but really <laughs> dirty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, yeah, we talked like maybe it's like just the fallout. Uh, yeah, the, the nuclear kind of mental thing, where everything's gonna get wiped. Everything's gonna get wiped out. We'll start mm-hmm. over, invent some flying cars, and well, it's it's kind of the opposite of anachronistic filmmaking. Meanwhile, where, Maya Ringwald's just dancing. On right, <laughs> where we have. In, instead of things that are out of time, we have things from our time that just, for whatever reason, survive in the future. Fallout has this. Uh, Total Recall has this. Yeah. It, it's it's just the way we Absolutely. think about the future. And Ridley Scott, personally, has a lot to do with that because his vision of the future was just it, somehow his present, elements of his present froze and everything else in the world evolved around it, and then it got worse. And Ridley Scott, it's appropriate that he made this movie because he's very much influenced by the author of the book, Philip K. Dick, who, from all accounts that I've seen, he was a wonderful person, but very, very depressed. Yeah. So his understanding of the future was just things only get worse. Mm -hmm. So when when we translate that to the screen, we have... Worlds without the sun. We have it's raining all the time. Dystopian, just yeah, yeah. Whereas not even like post-apocalyptic, right? Where we got it's just er, it's just an urban nightmare based on his yeah. Pretty much. I mean, I hate to go back to the book again, but the whole Voight-Kampff machine and this this empathy machine Mm -hmm. to tell you from a robot and like they push the point how there's no animals that are alive Mm -hmm. more so than in the movie, but you kind of tell like the Mm -hmm. the. the mental shape the man was in yeah. based on yeah. all, all these quizzes and answers that mm-hmm. go way deeper in the yeah. book. But it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's really called like Weinkampf too, when it's like so directly related with Weinkampf. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're trying to get into the inside yeah. of like yeah. a, of a, yeah, yeah. a, a yeah. The, you know, twisted kind of way. And those, that first sequence with Leon, mm-hmm. that made me uneasy. Like the yeah. questions that were asked and stuff and how it progressed. I was like, that's what they're well, supposed like, to do. Oh, yeah. Crazy. It's a long task. Yeah. And, and how they went on and went on. I, I, I thought that was a cool idea. Well, and in, again, like, uh, this is the last time I'll go back to the book. They, like, and it's work the together. It's the only, yeah. yeah. It's the only they're, thing I. They're more like main character. There's uh, the the empathy machine that, that Shasi's talking about in the book. They can, like, dial up whatever emotion they want to feel. Yeah. And it's kind of the flip. Of of the humans are less human and the you robots are more frequency. human yeah. because yeah. the humans are using a machine to feel their emotions, right. and then the robots okay. just naturally express. Yeah, and that's somewhat uh, uh, apparent in the film because Deckard it is was always the, flat. The eye, yeah. the the, the mm-hmm. twitches and stuff like that, and, and uh, just how the overall, yeah, encompassing of their emotions come to be, and it's it's all mm-hmm. in the eyes. And then, real quick, you know that they, they yeah. said like, be as quick as you can. Now they're almost too quick. They, mm-hmm. they, the resolve is not there from human to yeah. droid. Or well, whatever. and you you look at you know uh, when Deckard uh, you know tests Rachel, mm. he's like it, it took you how many questions? Over a hundred. Yeah. Over a hundred. How many does it normally take? Thirty to forty. Mm. And the robots are becoming that much more empathetic, yep. and the humans are just becoming Less robotic. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. that's that's that dichotomy where you you are you instinctively want to root for Deckard because it's Harrison Ford. He's mm. He's he's Han Solo. He's the American president. He's he's Indiana, Indiana Jones. Jones yeah. But then you have Roy Betty, who is he's always a villain. Mm. 
Well, yeah. not always. There's Lady Hawk, but he's he he has that face that that you just don't necessarily trust, and he's the most human character in the entire film. Mm-hmm. They make it a point early on, like when um, Deckard's getting drug out of retirement unwillingly too. Like they they push the point that the threat is that they're evolving more and mm-hmm. more that the yeah. robots are going to be able to teach themselves things that we didn't program. That's and what they it's wanted. like the it's like the downhill that the humans were yep. going on that you're mm-hmm. talking about. It's almost like that's the threat now. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. they're in a position to even yeah. further themselves. And how many movies have there been about like mm-hmm. AI going beyond yeah. its beyond its intention? You know, but this is almost like it, it it's it's Management. exactly mm-hmm. the same yeah. in that sense where it's a threat. They're gonna. That's uh, why they put a time gonna, a lifetime. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. But this is it, it's like by the end of the movie, you see it's a threat because we're going the opposite right. direction. Exactly. Th- mm-hmm. And they're going a more human direction. And that holds yeah. true today? Yeah. I mean, that's a, I mean, we talk flying cars and stuff, but that holds true. We're, we're digressing as far mm-hmm. as the our, our overall intellect and, you know, critical thinking and I, just I, diving I, back in. Maybe I disagree. Not, I all right, disagree. Well, to a, you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that, not not fully, but you know what I mean? Diving into our phones for answers mm-hmm. and, and, and not being able to cite, not being able to do the basic work that goes into finding answers. I think that'll all level out. Yeah, time, well, like, well, I, I think... Hopefully. Go ahead, Shasti. Go ahead, Shasti. I was just saying, from a time when our parents are like, uh, for, we have baby boomer parents, for instance. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, we were at the age when we were like teenagers. There was no internet to internet. Mm-hmm. There are no yeah. cell no phones cell phones to cell phones and, cell phones. and mm-hmm. to smartphones. Where yeah. now it's like the smartphones are ten times more powerful right. than what I knew a computer when yeah. I was. Yeah, but yeah. we can do the Dewey Decimal System. No, I know, but it's <laughs> yeah. like I've taught my parents so much shit right, about right. just like mm-hmm. basic computer usage or. Right. Uh, Google this recipe, or, mm-hmm. or you know yep. what I mean, to be resourceful. Yep. So, like, the, I think with the 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 drastic sudden change of that, there's um, a sudden. This is what we're telling our boomer parents to do. Mm-hmm. This is the way that. That's what I mean. There's gonna be a a a, 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 a switch that flips eventually because it's yeah. like that's all that we're relying on now. It's like the they have to kind of go back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's well, like waves. Yeah, it's, it's waves exactly. And I I think it's an it's it's a very uh, cold war fear. That yeah. we're we're seeing the residual effects of because our our fears of technology are based on the works of Philip K. Dick and Isaac Asimov, who and and Ray Bradbury, who were afraid of not only technology but advancement, and they seem to think that if if people stopped reading physical books, that they would stop being people. Whereas they couldn't even fathom a future like we have today, where our phones are an extension of our own intellect. Right. And they they allow us, for as much damage as the internet can accomplish, it can also do tremendous good. It can inform people, it can help you grow. Like, this show is on the internet. It allows us to get together once a week and really... <laughs> get it down. Oh, we forgot to get tell it you. Down. Forgot to tell oh, you. Oh, jeez, I'm, I'm out of here. The, <laughs> the, the future that they could not imagine for all the crazy things that go on today, I think is better than and, what and, it was, and, and for then sure. What, but I'm what just they, saying, yeah. the next step mm-hmm. is is this uh, instant resourcefulness mm-hmm. with the critical thinking right. yeah. that our our parents do. That's what I'm getting at, and yeah. that's that's the other. I know we li- we we lied when we said we we're going to bring up the book again, but <laughs> no, there's a lied. huge there's a huge like social impact mm-hmm. uh, portion uh, of, of of the book, yeah, which correlates exactly what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean. I think we are we are very rapidly approaching a point where we are the halfway point between the humans and the nexus models where AI can do so much but that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it, it's it's not it's not 
we don't have to be afraid of the things we create. But a lot of this is ingrained in us because religiously speaking, we assume that God is afraid of us. To, to draw from the great Robert Rodriguez in Spy Kids 2, <laughs> do you think God stays in heaven because he fears the things he created on earth? That is the concept we're dealing with here in Blade Runner, mm -hmm. is everybody except for the guy who creates these robots, except for uh, uh, J.F. Sebastian, everybody's afraid of them. Mm -hmm. But Sebastian, he's like, there's a little bit of you in me, or right. me, me right. and you. And he, he finds great comfort in that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the character we should latch on to. It's just this almost childlike innocence mm -hmm. in a world of grime right. and crime. Because as we as it lies, what we fear is lack of control. Yes, very much so. You know, that's the movie, that's life. That's what everybody's... <laughs> all the fear that we're living in the head. is what it is. You know? Nail in the head, so. for sure. Um, now... I could go on mm -hmm. for a long time. I'm surprised, actually. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, There's a lot more than, to draw than this, but, than this movie. But before we get to our, our next segment, Greg, I want to throw it to you just in case there's anything that I... Anything you wanted to, you wanted to throw out before we, we get to ratings? And stuff. Um, basically, all I want to throw out, I think um, Ridley Scott did a great job. I guess I talked about depth and those... Those still shots that like they're they're, they're in my mind like they're, mm -hmm. they're stamped down and and to add in um, Jordan uh, Cronenwealth, mm -hmm. his cinematographer who won mm -hmm. a couple of awards for this one as well. Um, the lighting, mm -hmm. the the framework, the shadows they all played a huge part in this movie. And that, in my opinion, was the entire movie because I didn't take a lot from mm -hmm. what we talked about at this table. It was not how I watched this movie. It was yeah. it seemed a little bit displaced and. Fair enough. Hard to kind of follow at some points. Um, I didn't like the acting as well, and they're, like we said, we've talked about it's mm -hmm. not meant to be kind of a character growth type of movie, which is right. cinema. Uh, Sci-fi is usually gritty, mm -hmm. um, a little bit more less intuitive mm -hmm. in some aspects. I don't. Mean I'm to, definitely I don't mean more discount. forgiving of that in the sci-fi realm. Okay, so sometimes it feels intentional. Right, and usually, so usually my my judgment of a movie is going towards that, like the character growth analysis, um, feel emotion of the movie. Mm -hmm. Here, this movie, the only thing I loved about this movie was the cinematography, the mm -hmm. camera work, the lighting, and, and how it was shot. Yeah. So I'm I'm flipping my my review on that base just so y'all at home can know where I'm coming from. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Shasta, any last thoughts before we get to Rotten Tomatoes? No, I think he summed up what I was going to say as far as uh, cinematography goes. I'm glad you kind of... I had to in this no, one, No, for sure. I know you had, you had to. <laughs> I, I feel like... I don't feel like that's all you had to latch on to, so that's yeah. what you latch on to, but I feel you did take a step back and kind of, yeah. you know what I mean? Well, Put yourself in 82. Right. So the growth in this movie was Greg all along. Oh, my oh, goodness. Exactly. Wait, do we, are, do we just go into to 88? <laughs> <laughs> all righty. So let's take a look at what the critics had to say about Blade Runner. All right, so critics oh gave this an 89, God. and audiences give it a 91. Holy smokes. As always, Greg, is that a heavy pour oh, or a short oh, pour man, score? that's heavy. That is so heavy, it's insane. How um, heavy of a score? Uh, real heavy. Um, like I said, awards were made on, on cinematography and, and directing, but that's huge. Um, I... I'm I'm going to, I'm going 73 on this movie. 73. Going Holy 73. Cow. I mean, it's, okay. it's, uh, because I didn't I disliked the the acting and, mm -hmm. and, and 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 process so much. And like you guys brought back a book a lot of times. Mm. I, don't yeah. <laughs> I don't judge off books. I don't I judge off yeah. one single movie. You know, so that's sure. where I land. That and it's all due to the camera. Jossie? I I give Blade Runner 85. Um, knowing the book, 
I have a lot of gripes, mm-hmm. but knowing how you have to kind of approach that thing from a highly all the hurdles it takes mm-hmm. to get someone to bite, you know right. what I mean? Might be some of the stuff that was overlooked that I wanted to see. Trying to talk too much, but um, to set yourself up for a series as well mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. probably the yeah. other half of what I thought. You know, normally you say, "Oh, it's so much better the book because it was this was left out." No, this is yeah. this is better yeah. for what it, for how it's written for a film. It's better. To set itself up uh, for what follows, so eighty-five. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm dead even with you. I think this is a slightly heavy pour. You know, I'm giving it an eighty-five as well. Um, but it's it's not too heavy of a pour. And I, I should preface this by saying, like, we forgot to say this up top. We watched the final cut. So there's three right. cuts of this movie. The first cut is dog. The second cut is eh. Yeah. But the final cut that was released in 2007 was the only one that Ridley Scott put his stamp on. Yeah. So that's the one that is generally recognized as the official cut of Blade Runner. Watch out. It's restored. Mm-hmm. It yeah. looks way better. Yeah. The visuals are, are, are much better. Gotta, yeah. yeah. And I, I think a lot of the, the story is amplified by the way they, they cut around some of the nonsense that the studio wanted sure. to put in. So the final cut, it, that's the only caveat that's the star for me that gets an 85. Um, but audience, how do you feel? You want to drop down in the comments and let us know, was this a heavy pour or a short pour? Did we get it right? Did the critics get it right? Is everybody wrong? <laughs> Greg's right. Greg's, Greg's not right. Greg's not right. <laughs> you know what to do. Uh, all the interaction is fantastic. We love hearing from you guys on every different platform. Um... If you'd like to go any further, you can find the link to our Patreon down below. Other than that, it's pumpkin time, Greg. I gotta say goodbye. He say you braver or not.